Hello, and welcome to Profits and Loopholes. I'm Nate. I'm here with Paul. We're the partners over at Saunders Neidegger. Today, we're going to be talking about the dependent care credit. Uh, a lot of taxpayers qualify for this credit. The dependent care credit covers things like daycare, preschool, nannies, those types of expenses that a lot of taxpayers incur uh, in order to be able to go work. So that's one of the qualifications for this credit is, is taxpayers have to be either working you know, as an employee or in a small business or actively looking for work to qualify for this credit. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about who qualifies as far as children a little bit later in our podcast. In order to claim this credit, we fill out a form 2441, and that's where we list and itemize out all of the expenses that qualify for our dependent care, as well as provide some identifying information about who's providing the care. And that's actually kind of an important part of this question, or this, this credit is we have to be able to provide the, the taxpayer ID number of the person or the business that's providing the credit as well as a name and an address. So a tax ID is either an EIN, an employer identification number, if we're talking about a business, or a social security number if it's an individual providing for this care. This is kind of a sweet credit and uh, it's been around for a long time, but in early March of 2021, Congress passed that American Rescue Plan Act, which greatly enhanced the credit. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to be up to $3,000 per qualifying child and $6,000 for two or more, but now it's $4,000 per qualifying child and up to $8,000 for two or more. So if you've got three or four kids that maybe have these qualifying expenses, uh, there is this kind of upper limit that's placed on what we're eligible for. And the cool thing is you can actually choose how you allocate the expenses between the children. So even though one child might get, maybe you have one child that's got more child independent care expense than another, uh, you can have some flexibility on that actual data entry of the tax form, how you allocate expenses. Um, there's a higher threshold limit in terms of income before this credit phases out. So even though it's got this graduated percentage uh, as your income increases, you kind of get a lower percentage of those qualifying expenses to claim the tax credit. It, uh, taxpayers with an adjusted gross income of over 438000 are not eligible for this credit, even though they have may, may been previously able to claim the tax credit. I want to go a little bit deeper into what information that we might need from a care provider, uh, who is a qualifying care provider. I think these rules have also been expanded a little bit to include some of the, some of the entities you mentioned, Nate, as far as uh, our daycare providers, our kindergarten and preschool uh, are both expenses that we incur except for private. If, the, if our kids go to private kindergarten or private preschool, those un unfortunately are not qualifying. But uh, after school camps and daycares do qualify but overnight type camps do not. Um, again, we go back to this idea of what you mentioned that as long as it, the cost allows a, a taxpayer spouse to be working or looking for work, it most of the time is a qualified expense. Of course, there's a, a slightly different qualifying age right, than the child tax credit we have previously talked about. It's, it's 13 and younger rather than all the way up to the age 17. Um, you have to be able to claim them as a dependent. I mean, that's another qualification that comes to mind. You know, sometimes in divorce-type situations, 
Uh, your ex is claiming the dependent, but if you're the custodial parent, you can still claim this dependent care credit if you're providing those credits. You know, the other cool thing, you, you mentioned this legislation, Paul, but the other thing that they did, this credit historically has not been a refundable credit. So it only takes care of tax, and then once all of your tax is gone, we don't get a refund of that, and they mm -hmm. changed that. And so that credit is now refundable for 2021. And so that's, that's a big help, I think, to a lot of working moms and dads. That actually, I think, can be quite beneficial, especially when you add it to that higher child tax credit that is also refundable. I mean, I, I kind of anticipate that we're going to see a lot larger refunds in the next year or two. Um, I want to go to this idea of kind of the information we need as a taxpayer when we go to get our tax, uh, our tax returns prepared. Because I've had a lot of clients that will come in and explain that they've had these expenses, but often they're unprepared with the information required. So when we're filling out that form 2441, we, we have to identify the recipient of the money that we're paying uh, the expenses for. So we have to identify the provider's name. We have to identify on the form their address and a taxpayer identification number. Which and is, that's the tricky one to get, right? Yeah, because a lot of people I've noticed are a little bit hesitant to provide uh, a parent with their social security number. And that's a question, too, that I think where they've expanded this tax credit is it used to be that, you know, if you, if you hired your parent to watch your kids or, say, a, a babysitter that maybe wasn't operating in a business format or some other official entity that they were not eligible, but they certainly are. So you can hire a parent and pay your parent uh, to watch your kids while you're out to work or looking for work, and that's a qualifying expense. And I, I got to admit, that was something I didn't, didn't know beforehand uh, or before doing this podcast. So you might have to ask mom or dad or, or one of these uh, unrelated babysitters for their social security number. There's no harm in getting that. It, its purpose is as an identifying number. And we're often concerned with identity theft and the risk associated with that. Um, you also have to have the amount that you paid. And so we often see taxpayers come in with the, the amount that they usually know exactly what they have to pay, but some of that other information is missing. Um, so let's go into what a qualifying person is in general. Uh, a qualifying person is a dependent who is under age 13 when the care is provided. Your spouse or your spouse isn't mentally or physically able to care for him or herself, and they live with you for more than one half the year. That would also be a qualifying dependent. And it's, and it's important to note that if you decide, if you're married and you decide to file a married filing separate return, that you would be ineligible to claim this credit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of those types of credits disappear and yeah. go separate. That's a rare occurrence. I, I can't even say that I've seen that in my, in my practice, but it's something to be aware of if that's a, a planning component. And then there's another that I also don't see very often is basically a person who isn't, isn't mentally or physically able to care for him or herself that lives with you and is a qualifying dependent. So some disabilities. Yeah, so that, this has been a great conversation. I think that's a pretty decent recap of dependent care costs and credits and, and definitely a, a much more lucrative, especially now that it's refundable, a credit that we want taxpayers to be much more aware of going forward. Uh, we encourage you guys to take a look at the expenses you're incurring, check them against what the qualifying rules are, and, and maybe you're eligible for a, a little bit of a tax credit here that'll help reduce your tax liability for the 2021 tax year.